the point is the touch point. We're not doing it. So next it was Easter. Then it's Mother's Day. Stavros actually owns a flower farm. So I drop off hundreds of chrysanthemums to all of my mums on my database every Mother's Day. Father's Day we've just had, so I did a coffee and cake at the local pizza restaurant for them. So it's about giving. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington with you with the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me I have the gorgeous Tanya Nevin-Jones from Melbourne. Hello, how are you Tanya? Hello, how are you? All the way from uh, rainy Melbourne, yes. Yes, exactly, it's all right. Rainy Melbourne, rainy Sydney, it's all the same. It is all going on, yeah. Now you have been either the number one or two um, agent at O'Brien's down in Victoria for the last, what, seven years? Nine years, actually. So, yes, we have two fabulous women, um, myself and Michelle, that have absolutely dominated the space down here. And it's just, um, it's absolutely brilliant. We've got a Ladies' Health Day on Friday. They've asked me to emcee that event. And um, I've written the introduction this morning. And it was really just focusing on how how O'Brien do support um, women in real estate, whether it's in the traditional space of property management, administration, or being a core part of of our, um, uh, our corporate team. But what we do very, very well is support senior women in sales roles as well as directors and business owners as well. And I'm super proud to be part of that. Yeah, so you should be. That's fantastic. Um, and so how do you, how do O'Brien's go about supporting, not that this is an ad for O'Brien's, but, you know. No, we, no, well, no, no. We no, might no. as well talk about what, what you actually yeah. do. Yeah, and look, I've been part of other organisations as well. And the same thing, you know, if you want to be a corporate director, I think our industry now is um, allowing that and encouraging that. In fact, um, you know, every every company I've worked for, which has only been two in my 20-year career, have both been very supportive of women in real estate. Yeah. Um, one of the things I just mentioned is we have a, a, a ladies' health brunch coming up on Friday um, where we all get together. We talk about the challenges that we're facing in today's market. Um, we talk. We have two guest speakers, so we have Jackie Felgate speaking, um, and you know it's it's going to be a really lovely morning where we can get together, connect with our other officers. We're over thirty three offices now. Yeah, that's a lot of offices. Yeah, it is. And you know, sometimes we just don't get to listen or hear or say hello to the other women in other offices on the other side. The thing is, because uh, I've got a networking group uh, called Real Women in Real Estate, and we've actually got an event next. Um, uh, next Thursday night. And um, the thing is that it's not about excluding blokes at all, but the reality no. is that we communicate and connect differently yeah. when there's only women in the room. And I'm sure that men are the same, right? It's yeah. a conversation when it's just with them and and we all need to do that from time to time. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, you know, we we had our, our um, what we call the Your Say conference last week and one of the topics that came up was should we now combine it and make it just a health brunch where the men come along as well? And there were a couple of people that went, you know what, we actually like our space. Um, we like to be able to talk about girls' stuff and 
challenges that women and particularly mothers have in this industry because it does come down to time management. Um, we have different challenges from the men. Yeah. Um, and it's not, as you said, it's not about excluding them. It's just having a safe space where we can actually talk about that. That's the thing, right? That that psychological safety to have those conversations without fear of judgment. And, you know, yeah. women are hard enough judging each other, right? Yeah. Being afraid that they're going to be judged by the by the blokes as well yeah yeah no so that's um that's it's a really great company and as i said you know our our awards were not so long ago and in our top 10 you know the majority of them were women um and it's just great to see you know michelle stevens our number one agent and she has been the number one agent for gosh at least seven years in our our company she picked me at the post a long time ago um runs a massive team of seven people um she's doing she's up she's transacting 250 properties a year um and that is absolutely outstanding volume from a young lady who's only just turned 31 years old wow. so yeah amazing and it's it's great to see some up-and-coming women within our group as well um i love seeing our young ones challenging themselves yeah. and actually saying i want to be top 10 at a network where they've got you know almost and the challenge is you know we're, we're, we're charging towards 50 offices very quickly and to be able to make t- top 10 in our group is an outstanding you effort do. and these are the goals yeah, yeah. that these girls are you know they're setting for themselves in the sales space which is great yeah yeah absolutely um and so as a top performer um it's not always smooth sailing right you've had some challenges in your career over the how long have you been in real estate 18 years. So 2003 is when I started. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, 19 years. Um, so yeah, 2003 is when I started. And I, I guess a bit of a brief history is um, I started in real estate, fell pregnant um, very quickly into my real estate career and then had to, you know, say, do I want to stay in this space or perhaps, you know, rely on my husband to be the, uh, the breadwinner? Do I come back part-time? Do I? And you know what? I really do have a lot of mother's guilt because the, the course I chose was my career. I had great support from my mum and dad, from my um, husband, um, and using the the childcare system as well, managed to come up with a routine that sorted our family so that I could get back in. And I am the major breadwinner in our family. Um, that is a challenge in itself. Um, I think it's a challenge that not a lot of women talk about. Um, the fact that, you know, how do we cope in our relationships with that? But again, I'm going off topic here. No, but it's true. And it's a it's a relevant conversation because I'm the same, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and look, we can touch on it a little bit later on because I think it's really important to acknowledge it yeah. and to actually, because I'm sure there's other women like us For that sure. sometimes face the challenge of, how do we have a relationship and manage a relationship with our partner um, when sometimes, you know, I do like to wear the pants a bit and I do like to, you know, I do like to make those decisions and, you know, book the holidays and do things like that, which, again, traditionally is a male space to do that. Yeah, so, right. you know, I, I certainly am the male polarity in our, um, in our relationship. Mind you, my husband is six foot five and built like an absolute brick shit house with tattoos all over him. So he certainly looks like yeah. um, the one that does, but you know, behind yeah. the scenes. 
anyway so, <laughs> so um so you you fell pregnant really early in your real estate career yeah. you decided to come back to work how did that go in sales so i i came back to work in in full-time sales so i was i was that agent pushing the baby around uh you know doing the door knocks and the letterbox drops and everybody knew who i was and you know very quickly established a reputation as an incredibly hard worker um with exceptional time management skills i had no choice you know, I had to. Um, and it worked really, really well for me. Um, I then progressed from being a top sales consultant within that organisation to being a sales manager, then a general manager, then a partner in a small satellite office, and then eventually a 40% shareholder in a four office network. Um, so life was incredibly good for me. Um, everything was going well, you know, lovely luxury cars and international holidays, my child in a private school, T1 private school in Melbourne. Um, and then everything 10 years into my real estate career went pear-shaped and I'm talking pear-shaped um it was uh diabolical in fact I almost lost my family home I almost lost my investment property which my parents rented off me down in Geelong um I had uh, quite literally turned to the bottle as a self-medicating um I guess vice to get me through days and nights and stress and challenges and having to have conversations with my staff that you know there were going to be cutbacks there were going to be um you know I I might lose the business and what does that look like for everyone what happened was it um was that during the GFC no so it was after that we'd over leveraged on purchasing rent rolls right um we had a business partnership that quite like it just went pear-shaped there was a lot of blaming blame happening you know again I have to take responsibility for my you know contribution to to not making this work um it, it was really terrible because the three business partners which was myself and two other fellows were um really good friends you know family in fact we used to spend Christmas together and these are the challenges of business partnerships, I guess, is we're all mates and everything is wonderful and, um, you know, everything will be okay attitude. But it just didn't end up that way and it really got quite nasty. Financial challenges can do that to people, though, when putting people under financial pressure is very tough. Yeah, financial pressure. But then there was, um, you know, the pressures is we all had our lane into what our tasks were as shareholders and business owners. Mine was people recruitment and retention. I was very good at that. You know, running a sales team was my lane. And I loved that part of what I did as a, a business owner. Then we had a number one sales consultant and his lane was, I don't want any decision when it comes to this business. Um, I just want to list and sell real estate because that's what I do well. And then our other business partner was, you know, overseeing everything because I was a relatively new business owner. I had no idea, in fact, what I was doing or what I was looking at. I just knew people, people, people. That's what I'm good at. Um, and then when it all went pear-shaped, and I won't go into details because that's not fair on the other no, two business owners here. Yep. Um, everyone needs an opportunity to say their side of the story. And I'm lucky that I get a platform to share the challenge, what happened, and, you know, obviously the journey, which wasn't a great one. But, um, yeah, we, we lost everything. And um, the asset, what was left of the asset had to be sold. Again, that was another um, challenge to do that amicably, which it didn't happen amicably. And 10 years into my real estate career, I was literally, the doors were locked on me. I had to start from square one as a sales consultant in an area that I wasn't used to. Um, and I had to start from scratch. 
not only did I have to start from scratch because of the drinking and the alcoholism, I actually lost my license for drink driving. So um, try being a sales consultant without a license. Um, it was incredibly difficult. I lost my license for a very long time. Um, in fact, I lost it for 18 months. Wow. So, yeah, I know. And, and I guess this is where the courageous conversation comes in because it's awfully embarrassing to talk about that. You know, it's not um, easy to be able to. I was walking to some listing presentations. I was walking to open for inspections. Um, the office that I'd started in 10 years into my, well, it was actually O'Brien and it was in, um, in 2013 that I started here um, with no driver's licence. Now, I was very, very lucky that the business owner here, Stavros, um, essentially lent me a PA so I could get from A to B. He's a very good man, that Stavros, isn't he? Yeah, he's lovely. And look, all the corporate directors, all our business owners, our whole team are just absolutely so supportive. So how did that make you feel going from what was probably the worst, if not the worst, one of the worst times of your life to have someone actually show you that kind of, um, faith and that kind of support? Well, it was all three of the corporate directors, in fact. So Stavros gave me a job and essentially gave me a PA to help me get from A to B. Um, the biggest challenge I had was when I joined the network was I had this delightful little eight-year-old son that was in a beautiful um, private school um, and I literally had to sit him down one day and say, I have to take you away from your friends, buddy. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And it was Darren Hutchins, one of the other corporate directors that said to me, Tanya, if that's your biggest problem, well, then we'll fix it. We're going to pay those school fees until you get up on your feet. So, you know, and that was, again, just took this massive weight off my shoulders that I didn't have to worry about Ethan, that that was my biggest concern was that child having to, you know, he was, the, he was the direct result of my bad decisions and my um, business loss was the fact that, you know, he had to leave his friends. So having that comfort from our corporate directors that I didn't have to worry about that. Did the directors know you? Oh. So, yes, yeah, so Stavros did because he was a business owner of the previous brand that I was with. Um, um, and that's one of the reasons why I chose this office was I didn't have to explain who I was. Yeah. Um, they knew who I was and that I was, you know, my office um, down in Frankston was the number one office for our franchise group in Victoria three years in a row. Yeah. Um, I, had, I had 20 sales consultants that worked for me. Yeah, now, there right. were 1,700 properties under management. So right. that office was a big deal. Um, and we lost everything. It's hard to believe, right? Um, yeah. Particularly given it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a GFC situation. It was just over leveraging. Yeah. Um, yeah over leveraging yeah. and yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was. I think we've we just got a bit too big for our boots, and um, you know, we uh, our borrowing with Macquarie was kind of a bit. You know, what have we done? We were losing more because we purchased. We'd gone aggressive on purchasing rent rolls, and um, the integration into the existing um, rent roll wasn't. We didn't have the support staff. Yeah, um, we were taking on the property managers that, that came with the, the the properties, but you know, they these new property managers are coming into our business not knowing the team, not knowing the systems, yeah. not knowing, you know, here's a brand new desk. Hey, keep all the people. Just because they've been doing a good job with the previous brand doesn't mean they're going to integrate easily um, into your business. Yeah. And they didn't. And either did the landlords. So next thing you know, we were losing properties hand over fist um, and all of a sudden the asset was worth less than the debt. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see how it can happen. It's a lesson. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one that you know, again, it's just we all we all are now very very happy. Um, it, it, it's taken a decade. For, for us to find, I guess, peace and closure from that time of my life. I really, you know, there's things I regret saying and doing and feeling. And um, as I said, it was a very much a grief process. Um, I remember starting at, at O'Brien and really grieving the previous brand that I loved so much. Yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate and very lucky that I'm still friends and incredibly good friends um, from the previous brand. And I do regularly keep in contact. In fact, I've done some training and some sessions like this with them yeah. uh, because that respect, that mutual respect is still there. And I'm very proud to one of the things that even though life and my career has been an incredibly difficult one, um, the one thing that I've always said to my team and to my colleagues and even to my competitors is I'll never burn a bridge. No. Um, you know, I'll always have respect for you. I'll always have time for you. If anyone ever rings me wanting a sales result, you know, I'm not one of those ones that go, oh, sorry, I can't tell you. I'll actually have a conversation with you around it and how we achieved it and what the challenges were um, and why we achieved that result, whether it was a good or a bad one. Um, always open to communication with yeah. my peers and with my, and with my competitors as well. I, I just had a 50th birthday recently and I invited, gosh, I think it was about a dozen people from other brands that were there. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was great. Um, and so how did you um, how did you start again? Okay, that's a really good question and one that I get asked quite often. Um, where I'd come from, they used to do a lot of cold prospecting. And in fact, we were trained to do the old-fashioned door knocking, your 10, 10, 20s, um, cold calling the street to let them know of a result. All that stuff that we do, but very quickly, um, you know, again, I'm Josh Vegan trained and, and Josh was all about, Tan, you're doing the wrong thing. You're looking in the wrong spots. The data that you need already sits inside your office and that's your past clients. It's people that have purchased homes from you since um, your office has been in existence. There are obviously people that have moved on from the office. Ask Stavros for that data. Any landlords, have they had an up-to-date market appraisal on their asset or, more importantly, their principal place of residence as well? You know, people forget to ask that question. Do yep. you need that, that asset um, appraised as well? So any past appraisals that had been done in the office, I got that data. Any past buyers in my we, – we still work a farm area, so any, um, any data from the farm area that hadn't been serviced, um, that's what I took. I literally made one phone call to every one of them and that phone call was, hey, it's Tanya from O'Brien Real Estate. You purchased a home off us five years ago. Just wondering if you're available at 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock tomorrow so I can come over and tell you what the asset's worth now. And, you know, it was just a very simple phone call. And most people said, yeah, why not? I'm not selling, but you're more than welcome to come over, um, which is what I did. If they did say no, what I'd say is, well, that's okay. I just want to do a data check. Are you still Steve.Smith at Hotmail.com? Yeah, I am. Okay, well, I'm going to do a desktop appraisal for you. I'm going to flick it through to that email address. What I then did was print it off the CMA, bound it, put in a little O'Brien show bag with a small gift, Plus, you know, whatever paraphernalia or promotion we were doing for that month, along with a stock list, dropped it on their front doorstep, literally knocked on the door and said, hey, here's a hard copy. Do you mind if I give you a call tomorrow to see if you have any questions? So that touch point was a game changer for me. Um, this, I started O'Brien in September. 
in December, um, coming up to Christmas, I wanted to buy all of those appraisals and touch points and people that I'd collected and, and started building relationships with. I wanted to buy them a Christmas gift. So what I did was I just bought them a little $2 cookie tin from, from Woolies and dropped it off again, door knocked it, dropped it off on their front doorstep and said, Merry Christmas for me. Thank you again for allowing me to come out to your home and let you know what it's worth. And if you are looking to make a um, real estate decision in the next 12 months, please, you know, let me know. Um, the response I had from that small gesture and that $2 cookie tin um, gained me two listings. So I thought, geez, if people love, you know, contact and gifts and touch points so much, when's the next thing I can do? Um, so I did Valentine's Day. I um, I sent out a lovely little Valentine's Day card that I made myself um, and I put a voucher in there for a $15 dessert at one of the local restaurants. Then And, and that was great um, because a lot of people, I actually had three people say to me, hey, thanks for the card, really nice gesture, but um, Josh and I have broken up. I'm like, oh, Oh, sorry about that. You don't need to sell, do you? <laughs> and yeah, lo and behold, they actually did. So, you know, again, yeah. it's the touch point. The point is the touch point. We're not doing it. So next it was Easter. Then it's Mother's Day. Stavros actually owns a flower farm. So I drop off hundreds of chrysanthemums to all of my mums on my database every Mother's Day. Um, Father's Day we've just had. So I did uh, coffee and cake at the local pizza restaurant for them. So it's about giving. If I'm sitting there as an agent um, watching this, I'm thinking it seems like it's adding up to a lot of money. No, no, not at all. So with the um, the Father's Day, which is a voucher for coffee and cake, and with Valentine's Day, which is a voucher for a dessert, the trick is you've got to put a deadline on it. Yes. So with Valentine's Day, for example, they get the card, they get the voucher, then in the fine print down the bottom it says must be used in the month of February. By the time they get it, they've got two weeks to do it. Yeah. So it kind of keeps your costs down by not leaving it open-ended. Um, what I do as well is I go and see the restaurant. Most of the time they're local. Well, they are local, so they know who I am and I have a relationship with them. And I just say, look, here's $500. Um, if that $500 is used up, give me a call and I'll come and give you another couple of hundred dollars. Um, most of the time they're ringing me saying, hey, look, I've got a hundred bucks left to, to give back to you. Um, so the take-up isn't great, but the actual touch point and the response I get from them opening up a card in the post yeah. is outstanding, you know, outstanding. And people talk about it. You know, they really talk about it. Um, when they, If they do go in and have their coffee and cake or their dessert, they're taking photos and tagging me. They're sending me photos saying, here's us having, you know, lunch or dinner, whatever. It's just, it really is wonderful. Um, our next thing that we're doing at the moment is um, we're doing, we've got little um, bags for full of lollies for Halloween. So any of my clients that have got kids between the age of four and 14 will be delivered a little Halloween bucket with some, um, some lollies in it. So again, another touch point coming in in the middle of spring. And do you deliver that yourself? Yeah, my team and I. And so that's the point, right? It's just, you know what, it's just touch points and it's quirky little touch points that might not work for everybody. Yeah. You know, I really can't see the blokes getting up and, and, and doing sending out Valentine's Day cards. You know, that's a bit creepy. Um, but, <laughs> hey, here's a Valentine's Day card. How's this going? Um, no, it's more about the touch point and the client care program that we have developed and um, is quite successful. 
And again, when somebody does need to sell, we're always top of mind because we're the ones that are delivering the gifts and sending out cards. And on top of that, we're doing our, I still do letterbox drops. You know, my my area that I prospect gets a thousand letterbox drops every week. That's done by my 14 year old boys that I pay $50 a week to. But again, another touch point. Plus I have billboards around the area and, and things like that. And it's, believe me, it's not expensive. You do what you can afford. As I said, I started with a $2 cookie tin and I bought 100 of them. That, those first two listings that I got from a Christmas gift cost me $200. And I think the the, the message really is the consistency of those yeah. throughout the year. So it's yeah. not doing one or two and going, oh, this doesn't work, I'm not doing this again. You've got to have that annual plan. Do you and your team get together and Absolutely. That annual plan, that annual plan we've been um, implementing now for, gosh, seven, eight, nine years. So nine years. um, And that goes to every single person that I've sold a home to in this area, my core area. Um, Now, not everybody gets there. And we have a, a touch point every month. Um, where if it's not an event like a Halloween or a Father's Day or a Mother's Day or Christmas Easter, we'll then do a newsletter, um, a tax time drop. Um, There's something that is constantly in their face. Now, not everyone gets something 12 months of the year because not everyone's a mum, not everyone's a dad, not everyone's a couple, not everyone has kids. Um, But we do try to do something so that at least getting six, six touch points per year on top of that, they'll get a just listed, just sold for any relevant sale in their street. Plus, they'll get an invitation if there's an open for inspection in their street and also an auction invitation. Um, and again, it's only relevant listings. So um, we try not to get too in their face, but we also want to make sure that we're delivering relevant information consistently. And that's the word you said, consistent. And, you know, we need to do that. Yeah. That's where, that's where agents forget. As you said, oh, I've done it twice and it didn't work. Well, yeah you're not delivering the relevant information i saw a quote um you know instagram's wonderful for quotes um and i saw one the other day saying you don't lack talent you lack consistency and i thought that's um you know it's so true for for our industry right yeah i love that yeah yeah, yeah so really good. i'm just interested in um understanding how you dealt with the mental side of of getting back and starting all over again because you were doing really well, right? You were doing really well and then all of a sudden everything's gone and you're struggling. Oh, yeah, it was really hard. How did you actually cope with that? Are you one to reach out to people and talk or are you one to go like, I'm not telling anybody about this until I'm through it? I'm probably more of the latter. And, yeah. and I hate to say that, but I think most women are. Um, showing vulnerability, especially when you're in your darkest time, is incredibly hard. And that's why, you know, I mentioned the alcoholism because for me it was just open up a bottle of wine and drown your sorrow. Yes. Um, you know, it's kind of embarrassing having to rehash the story. Um, I did, in, in fact, in the end, I did seek professional help. So I went to see a local counsellor here in Chelsea. Um, she was a lovely lady that really did give me some tools to be able to cope in my darkest hour. Um, the tools she gave me were pretty much just based around breathing, in all honesty. Amazing the difference it makes, right? Yeah. So it was just breathing and taking the, oh, God, the hair on my arms is actually standing up because it just brings you back to that time. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of breathing, shut the door, turn the phone off, ignore the outside world, 
concentrate on breathing um, and focus on what your goals are. When I, I, I actually have a quote that I do share when I speak, and that was that I didn't want my past to be bigger than my future. Yeah. And that was very much um, when I heard that sentence, that just went right. Everything now is based on not allowing my very big and successful past to be um, a handbrake to what I can possibly achieve in the future. You probably can't read that, but that's a post-it note that I've got on my um, computer that says it's not about what you have done, it's about what you do next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. That's really what um, in my darkest hour I heard that quote, and I I do believe it came from Josh Fegan. Yeah. Um, And I went, okay, well that's um, you know that that's resonated with me, and everything that I concentrate on now has to be focused around um, that very sentence. Um, I'd had an incredibly big past, and I plan to have an incredibly big future. Um, And you know what? Even now, that was ten years ago. Um, ten years into the O'Brien journey, and and again, you know, I've just hit a really big milestone in I've just turned 50. Um, and, you know, a really big um, conversation I'm having with myself now is what does the next 10 years look like? You know, we I'm not getting any younger. Hey, I'm about to turn 60. So yeah. I hear you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely hear you. It's a really interesting conversation. So what is what does the next 10 years look like? That's what I'm trying to figure out and plan at the moment. I know, you know, it'll be in real estate at the, in the biggest and loudest and best capacity that I can I can give. Um, one of the things I said at ARAC is, you know, one of my what next, what is next for me is I do want to be, and I know it sounds a bit wanky, but I love this sentence, um, a, a custodian of the future generation of real estate agents. Um, I love that. You know, I love young people. I love young women in real estate, but I also love the young men that are giving this industry and this career a crack because it is so exciting. There is no ceiling to what you can achieve in real estate, but don't be a, a wanker about it. If you're going to take, well, then you've got to give. Um, and that's what I want to do is the last 10 years I've, you know, I've had a great career. Um, I have been either runner up or number one within the group. But what I do try to do within the group is mentor our yeah. uh, mentor anyone, you know, whether it's a young person or a new to real estate or somebody that's been in real estate for 10 years but is just struggling to make that next step. I give my time, I give my energy, um, I give, you know, everything I possibly can to help lift and raise the bar within the industry that I do love so much. Yeah, that's amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that is the fastest half an hour I think I've ever had. Oh, um, we've been talking for half an hour. We've been talking for half an hour, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, that was, um, yeah, what a great story. Thank you so much for being so open to share Sure. Um, the challenges but also you know how it just gives everybody the faith that you know what sometimes things are shit they just are but there's always a way forward like I I was you know I could keep on talking about you know the the journey 10 years ago you know it was there were awful awful thoughts that you know all those horrible dark negative thoughts as do I just end this do I make everyone's life easier by not being here um and as I said and when I got to that point that's where it was all right you need to go and speak to somebody um third party but um again another story for another time and um thank you so much for having me that's my absolute pleasure thanks so much no worries see you 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.